I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month, a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice, and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travellers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos I've made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com. For travellers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. And in this particular episode, Prague in the Czech Republic. And what an amazing place Prague is. It's absolutely perfect, especially for a weekend visit. I've been to Prague, as I mentioned, the capital of the Czech Republic, twice over the last 10 years or so and realised that both times I'd only ever seen the airport, to the hotel, to the meeting room, and back to the hotel. So I decided it was time to change that, and arranged a three-night long weekend visit. And having done it, I wish I'd done it an awful lot sooner. Prague in recent years has had a reputation of being a bit of a tourist nightmare in some ways, renowned at one time for rowdy stag and hen weekends, largely people from the UK arriving on low-cost flights and in summer being rammed full, especially with U.S. tourists who have added Prague as a must-see destination in the European schedule along with Paris. Now, it's clear that Prague is still a very popular destination. It's apparently the sixth most visited city in Europe, which I read somewhere, not if that means anything. But as the heart of the old part of the city is, is quite compact and small, it does feel incredibly busy as tourists all walk and work a fairly small route in a fairly small area, as all the must-see attractions are in that kind of very intense area. So it does probably feel a pretty busy city to be in. Now, the city centre itself is quite remarkable. It's very ancient, undisturbed, and almost fairy tale like Now, this is helped by the fact that it was, it was occupied by the Germans in the Second World War, and it wasn't bombed during its liberation. And it seems, then, that all the development of, you know, sort of new residential and tower blocks has actually been made well outside of the centre. And if you go up the hills, which are sort of within the old city, you can see, looking further out, what appears to be rather unattractive developments out of the city. And I'm also wondering whether during the Soviet years, so after the Russians famously sent tanks in during 1968 to crush a move to great democracy, if there had not been a lot of investment and upgrading, and so the old buildings were kind of retained, ready for the kind of the post-Iron Curtain revival and, and investment. Now, I know that's true, for example, of the Petron Tower, which was closed in 1979 for over a decade as it, as it had fallen into disrepair and has only in recent years been sort of restored and reopened. It's noticeable how the local population, even the attractions across the area, make almost no reference to the Soviet era in the history of the country and the history of the city itself. And it's something I'd actually noticed years ago when I'd first visited for work and also in talking to local colleagues. People seem uncomfortable talking about that particular part of their history. They seem to prefer to, to forget it and focus on the very far past, which is very rich, the now and the future. And that is possibly understandable. Now, the old part of Prague as I've already mentioned, is just incredibly remarkable. It's very magical, 
and it is like stepping back in time. Even the, the streets are cobbled throughout much of the old town. The other thing that struck me is how small, in relative terms, the historical and the more tourist area of the city is. Now, this is great as a tourist because it's very easy to walk around the city and very easy to see pretty much everything that you may want to or need to. It does, though, as I've already mentioned, make it quite busy as all the tourists and sightseeing visitors are in this fairly compact area. But the good news is it also means that in a weekend visit, you know, a two, three-day visit, you can comfortably visit and see the major attractions you need to and should see without kind of rushing around too crazily. Now, the centre of Prague was incredibly neat and incredibly clean. And it was something I noticed, and, and yet you don't seem to see a lot of people constantly cleaning, but the city is really absolutely immaculately maintained. It's clean, it's neat, it's quite remarkable. Now, as I mentioned, the city is packed with sightseeing crowds, and it was interesting that there seemed to be a lot of young visitors of college, sort of university, young traveller age, as well as a lot of school trips, actually. Now, it may have been part of the, the time of the year, but it really stood out that the city seemed to attract and appeal to a fairly young crowd, and I'm not sure if that's its history, whether it's a trendy place to visit at the moment, or if there's a lot of sort of inexpensive, traveller-friendly accommodation and, and, and whatnot. One of the bizarre observation is the amount of glassware shops that are dotted around the city selling these sort of little blown glass ornaments and vases. There seem to be like a constant flow of them through the, through the area. And um, also, and I'm not sure why, but I'm sure there's a very good reason I didn't quite get to the bottom of that. There are also a lot of shops selling puppets, you know, marinette kinds, the kind on strings. Again, these seem to be all over the place, and I guess both of these have emerged to serve the, the, the tourist trade, but both felt a little bit tacky, to be honest. Now, Easter is a big thing in Prague, which is when I was there. There's a large market in the old town square, and all over town they sell Easter eggs. But unlike in the UK, these are not kind of chocolate treat eggs. They're actual physical eggs that are hollowed out and then very intricately designed. And they're quite something. Though you soon realise that this must be a very large commercial enterprise, as although there are many designs, pretty much all the shops and even the stores are selling the same ones. So they're very impressive, but they are not that personal or individual. But it, it did make me wonder what they, first of all, do with the huge amounts of egg they must suck out of the shells, because I assume you can't get the whole yolks out through the tiny holes. And then also how they manage to actually carve and decorate them on such a scale. Now, I've never quite worked that one out, but and maybe I don't really need to. So what then are my tips for travellers visiting Prague? Now, the first is around getting there and getting around. Now, as I mentioned, there's a very large airport. Uh, with many connections and many options, including low-cost airlines from many European and especially the UK cities. And it can be very cost-effective to get to and from Prague. The airport is also only about half an hour by car from the city, and buses are probably the easiest way. Or you can book a pickup in advance by the hotel you're staying at. Now, many of the tourist leaflets in Prague advise that if you're using a taxi from a taxi rank or hailing one down, you must always agree a price before the trip. It seems to have been some issues with Red Bull for overcharging. And, and I noted that at quite a few of the taxi ranks across the city, there were signs with guidelines on what fare you should be expecting to pay. So you can make sure that you agree the right sort of price. Now, if you stay in the city itself, as I've mentioned many, many times, it's very easy to get around either by walking as places that you're likely to want to see or go to are all within reasonable walking distance. Or the other option is to use the tram system. Now, the tram network 
is very comprehensive and covers the city incredibly well, and even well out into the suburbs. You can buy a day pass from hotel desks and corner shops. It's very inexpensive and just very good value. And we found it was very easy to figure out the trams and routes. They're very well documented and just very easy to figure out. Now, the Daily Pass also allows you to ride the vernicular tram up the hill to the Petron Tower, which is a must-see. I'll talk about that in a bit. And it's amazing it's included because, you know, most other places you'd pay quite a big premium to use something like a vernicular railway. So that's another plus. Another tip is make sure you carry change with you as everywhere charges for the toilet if you need to go to the toilet, even at attractions. So you'll find that's kind of, it's, it's always a good idea to have some change with you. So what's my second tip? That's around when to go. Now, like most of Europe, summer will be jam-packed in Prague because it's very much on the circuit now. But it will also be very stunning in summer because the days will be long and warm. And on all the hills that overlook this pretty city, there are many, many outside bars, wine bars and restaurants. That would be great to sit, look at the scenery, because it's just incredibly beautiful from the hills, and just to watch all the kind of multiple different types of people pass by. But Easter is also a great time to go. It's a very important time in the city. There's, lot, there's the fair, and there's lots of other kind of activities and events going on around Easter. It's a very important kind of time for the city, and it's lots of energy, and it's great. Now, in winter, when there's snow on the ground in the city, it's also very beautiful, and it adds to the fairy tale feeling and look of the city. But the streets, because they're cold, can be quite icy, and so it's probably a little bit less easy to sort of walk around and, and, and probably need to be a little bit more cautious. But it is very, very, very pretty with all the snow on it. My third tip is, is around tours and what to see. Tours, it's better to do it yourself. Now, unlike most other major tourist cities, you don't have the usual open-air bus tour. Now, this is partly, I assume, because the main things that you need to see, uh, you can't get you on a bus, and you need to walk to anyway. Now, the, there are some tours that drive you to some of the key places and then escort you on foot into the various areas. So they may be worthwhile if you're not up for walking or you can't walk or you don't want to work out the trams. But as walking around is so key, there are also many walking tours and walking tour companies that I think you could pretty much do this by yourself. And we saw loads and loads of people walking around clutching a Prague guidebook so they could get some of the history in the background, but just doing it themselves. And this, for me, would be the best recommendation, assuming, of course, that you can handle the walking. One other option is they have these vintage open-top cars, these kind of old, battered old, well, they're battered, actually, these kind of old vintage cars, and you can hire them to take you on a drive right around the city, just outside the city, but they are quite expensive, but were very popular, and they sort of, you can pick this up just before the Charles Bridge or in the Old Town Square. There's also some river tours which run up and down the beautiful river, but they tend to be kind of meal-related, so lunch or dinner cruises. Now, the must-do sites and routes to see would be, say, on day one, or on route one, you'd walk across the Charles Bridge, a very famous bridge, I'll talk about that in a second. You then follow through the old streets into the old town square. And the second route or the second day would be to go up to the castle, explore that for half a day, come back down the hill, catch the tram and visit the Petron Tower. So let me tell you a little bit more about those attractions. So the Charles Bridge, it dates back to the 14th century. It's one of the most famous landmarks of the city. It's probably one of the things that it's most famous for. It's a magnet for tourists. There are these very beautiful barricade towers on both sides of the bridge and and then there's very old and very complex statues dotted along it and there's small artist stands selling pictures, jewellery and such like. The views on the bridge are great, they're stunning and there's great photo opportunities and actually on one side of the bridge you also have the the tourist office so you can find out more about tours and leaflets and all that kind of stuff. 
but the Charles Bridge is quite remarkable, and, and a lot of the history of the city is associated tra- to, around Charles Bridge. The Old Town Square. So after you've crossed the bridge, you follow the crowds, <laughs> literally follow the crowds, and they weave through the narrow streets. There's beautiful old buildings, shops, etc. And you eventually come to the large Old Town Square. Now, just as you enter the square is the famous astronomical clock. This is very famous. You can actually pay a fee uh, you know, to climb right up the tower. And it's quite amusing to watch at the top of every hour when it sort of performs, as it were, and chimes out. Because huge crowds gather around the tower, and they all stare at it, and they all point the cameras at it. And you actually probably get as interesting pictures, taking pictures of people all staring at the tower. Now, on Easter in the square, there's a very large fair, as I mentioned, selling food, drink. There's a small stage with entertainment. And around the square, though, there's many restaurants of varying quality and price because it is, again, a very popular part of the city. Now, because it's such an old attraction, there are not only restaurants, but there's many shops and other smaller sort of interesting little destinations. So, for example, one of the more popular ones is the Chocolate Museum, and there's a a sweet and chocolate shop attached to it. Now, the museum itself has a fee to enter, but in the shop they do demonstrations on making this kind of the rock and, and sort of hard sweets, and that attracts a really big audience, actually. It's quite entertaining to watch how they do it all. The castle. Now, the castle is a huge complex. It looks over the city from the top of a steep hill. And this complex is just quite something. It's it's a city within a city. It's very impressive and, and not surprising. It's very popular. We actually strolled up the steep hill from, I think, Lessertown Square. And that was very nice. There was little shops and restaurants up the hill. And once you get to the top of the hill, there's great views. Now, you enter through these really impressive gates. And they have guards that, of course, people inevitably try and, and make laugh while they pose at them. Very impressive gates, very striking, beautifully crafted buildings. And then you come to this large square, uh, which is all surrounded by the buildings, and you have to queue to get tickets. And the ticket thing is not very efficient, to be honest. It's um, it's a little bit shambolic. And part of the problem is they take almost any currency, and so they keep having to work out rates and things. Now, the problem is if you want to hire an audio tour, you have to go to a different line for that. But anyway, that's uh, you just have to put up with that. There are two main tickets you can basically buy one which lets you do pretty much all of the buildings in the complex that are open to the public and one which is a slightly smaller one where you go to five different buildings so that's the one that we actually chose and that was probably plenty we got to go to the vast castle saw the huge open hall um, saw some of the old kind of uh, entertaining residential rooms etc and around all the, all the castle are boards explaining the history and also key events that took place in those rooms through time, and that, that's pretty interesting. There was also some churches of varying sizes, um, so there's more than one church, and then there's also an old street that used to house the shops and the workshops, and it was quite bizarre because those of you who are Harry Potter fans, it really looked and felt like Diagonal Alley. It was really quite bizarre. Um, the buildings in this complex of the castle are huge, they're impressive, they're in great repair, and, and it's, it was just breathtaking. Now, when you come out of that whole castle complex, um, there's some old vineyards there, and in that area you get to get some more views, and, it, and there's um, some restaurants and sort of wine, open-air wine bars and things, and you can sort of meander down the hill, and that's great. And what we do is we then call a tram across to the Petron Tower, The Petron Tower was also one of my very favourite parts of this trip. It was built in the late 1800s, inspired by the Eiffel Tower in Paris, and it's perched on top of a a large hill, which is sort of a large hill opposite the castle, and you reach it, as I've already mentioned, by this long funicular railway. 
you can have very long queues to join the railway, and if you don't want to wait, then you can walk up through the park, but it's quite a long way up. Now, apparently Hitler, when he came to Prague after the occupation and had stayed in the castle, had wanted the tower pulled down as he felt it ruined the view from the castle, but the locals sensibly resisted. And eventually this, this was closed in 1979 because it was in a state of disrepair, and it was reopened about 15 years later after a lot of restoration. I absolutely loved it. It's just great. I mean, it's, I think it's about half the size of the Alpha Tower or so, maybe a little bit less. And you climb up a series of stairs to the first level, uh, which is about a hundred and something stairs. And then you could climb up over another hundred to the top. So you actually do need to have quite a good head for heights because you're kind of walking up these stairs and they're relatively open. I mean, not completely open, but they're kind of relatively open. But the view from the first level, which you went to, they have the sort of wooden um, balcony, I suppose you'd call it. And, and you can go all the way around and you just see for miles and miles and miles and you take the most beautiful pictures. It's really just, it's, it's lovely. I really loved the tower. I thought it was just amazing and just stunning, stunning views. And then if you come down the tower, next to the tower, just near the tower, is another exhibit which dates back from about the same era, sort of, you know, the late 1800s. Um, and it's a mirror maze and then a room of those mirrors that distort your image, which, which kids absolutely loved. And that was quite interesting as well. So those are my tips for visiting Prague. I mean, it was a great few days. It was much better than I expected it to be. There's great hotels. There's incredible restaurants. There's loads of shops of, of, of all types. I highly recommend Prague. It was just fantastic. Now, if you visit uh, either YouTube and search for Tips for Travelers, or you visit my blog at tipsfortravelers.com, or you visit the show notes for this particular uh, link in this podcast, you'll also find there a video tour of Prague which also has some of this audio, and then basically shows all of the sites. It's a little video tour I've made of Prague, so you can also check that out. So visit the site at Tips for Travellers, um, and search for Prague, and you'll find that. Or as I mentioned, you can do the same thing on YouTube. So until next time, happy travels. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations, and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.com dot co dot uk